Hi, welcome to The Playful Musician. I'm your host, Steve Davidson. Each week, I sit down with musicians from all different paths, from composers to conductors, percussionists to piccolo players, to tease out their strategies, practice habits, tips, tools, tricks, routines, and how they keep all of it playful. The Playful Musician is an intimate look into the lives of each musician, how they got to where they are, what motivates and inspires them, and what playing music means to them. If you'd like to learn more about the guests or just more about being playful, head on over to the website, theplayfulmusician.com. There you can find show notes, links to all references mentioned in the show, and all kinds of resources related to music. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to The Playful Musician on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're at it, why not leave a review as well? Thanks again, and without further ado, here is this week's episode. Hello, thanks for being here. This week's guest is virtuoso guitarist, singer, and composer Vicky Genfam. Drawing on inspiration from folk, jazz, pop, soul, and world music, Vicky has a distinctive style that really pushes the boundaries of the singer-songwriter genre and moves it into new territories. Vicky and I sat down together over the internet about a month ago to have this conversation. And for context, at the end of the interview, there were some technical difficulties. So you'll notice I will ask questions and her answers uh, were recorded later and inserted into the audio. But I really wanted to capture the spirit of the end of our original conversation and have her share what's important to her. So please sit back and enjoy my conversation with Vicki Genvan. Well, Vicki, thanks for being on the, the podcast. It's super fun to see you. It's been a long time it's been a since while. I've seen you. Actually, you, yeah, you were here. I saw you at Brit because you came and did a thing with then Dun Savage. You did That's a right. guitar thing. That was a few years ago. I did two of those, I want to say. Did I do two Brits? Yeah, I think so. I think I did. And those were really I think you fun. did too. Yeah, those were really awesome. And that was a bunch of guitar players, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was five. It's like a of camp us, or something. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, it was a weekend, and and everybody. Um, we each taught different modules, and I think basically, like you, if you enrolled, you enrolled for everybody's class. You know, so you kind of got. A touch yeah. of everybody, um, and it was real. There, you know, the players were real. We were all real different, so um, that was that was cool. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I think that was. I was in the audience for the one of the performances of that. Yeah, I don't know if that um, if you you were. I, I don't remember if we saw each other on the fir my first Brit or my second. We may Brit. not have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that was that was a few years ago. Um, yeah. So um, here we are. It's 2020. <laughs> Not the year. Nineteen. Any of us were expecting, and for you, the past couple of years have been <laughs> right, really unexpected. How is the um, 
how is this impacting you in terms of, I, I mean, I know it's impacting you in terms of touring and whatnot, but right. um, how have you had to pivot or what changes have you had to make or, and have there been any opportunities that have come up because of this limitation? Yeah, it's kind of interesting because um, for me, I feel like if, if only this wasn't because of a pandemic where people are getting really sick and dying, it's kind of a blessing for me. Um, mm. I've been touring pretty much erratically, but, you know, two, three times a year leaving for, you know, three weeks, a month, month and a half, 10 days. And um, I've been doing that for, I don't know, 20 years, 18, 19 years. Not that I toured all the time, but there was, my schedule had been very erratic and I had two locations, mm -hmm. right, two, two kind of home bases for a long time, New Jersey and North Carolina. And that just really had to do with family and work things and more personal things than, than business yeah. really at first. Um, but we wanted to, Tay, my wife and I wanted to make the change down to North Carolina more of a full-time thing. We were still touring. Mm -hmm. I go to Germany twice a year. I, I had been pretty much yeah. since 2001. And some trips to England and the Czech Republic and Hungary, you know, there were, but my kind of mainstay touring had been in Germany. Yeah. And um, so we were making that, that final change. Let's bring most of our life down to North Carolina. We don't need to be in New York City area anymore. Uh, music mm. had become so global and internet anyway, and touring meant you you were not home anyway. So home base mm. didn't need to be the metropolitan area. And um, uh, so right when we were ready to kind of make a big move like that and, and have only one home base, um, you know, as I talked to you about my, my brother and his wife lost their lives in a tragic accident. Yeah. So yeah, Tay I'm and so I were, sorry. thank you. So we were pulled down to Texas, you know, it's like all of a sudden, yeah. forget about New Jersey, forget about North Carolina, <laughs> you're moving to Texas. And we, and we were there for eight months. And of course I stopped working completely. Yeah. And, um, didn't really have any ability to make plans for the future. Didn't know when I would yeah. be able to go back home or didn't know, didn't know anything. It was just a really, really extenuating circumstance. I was dealing with family and my brother and his wife's estate and their home and, yeah. and you know, their son, my nephew. So it was really, it's like everything came to an abrupt, uh, you know, it's like so <laughs> abrupt. And, mm. um, when that, you know, when we finally kind of were able to come back home, we we hadn't done the full move. So we were still like half, well, <laughs> mostly down here, but partly in New Jersey. Yeah. And, you know, so I, just years upon years of feeling kind of scattered. And I think after the Texas incident, I really needed to dig some roots into some home base. And, um, mm. you know, it... Uh, we, that was July. It was just about a year ago that we got back from Texas. We came to North Carolina, did a couple of trips to Jersey because that was still partly our home and um, mm -hmm. kept on going back to Texas again, you know, because it was a gradual, yeah. it was a gradual, you know, kind of coming out of yeah. it gradually because my nephew was still there and we were trying to settle yeah. him. And then I had a heart attack in December. Right. And so it's like, 
wow, like the universe was just slapping my <laughs> ass down over and over again. And Oh, my God. You know, it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to be looking at touring now for a while, and i got to be looking at my health and what I need to do and exercise routines and, you know, building up some good... It was an odd thing. It was hereditary, and it was also, you know, a year of mm. hell all kind of slopped together. Yeah, a lot of stress. Yeah, an yeah. enormous amount of stress and heartache and, and cortisol and, and, you know, Absolutely. being in the fight-or-flight mode yeah. for seven months nonstop. Hmm. So you were, um, yes. So we got. So you were I had moving a heart the attack. final bits. <laughs> right, you had a heart attack. Kind of, uh, kind of slowed things down again, and um, and then, and then we had a pandemic, Steve. So, I I really didn't have time <laughs> yeah. to get my feet anywhere in earth and ground and you know um it was just like oh accident happened oh heart attack happened oh pandemic happened and all of those things you know it started december 7th 2018 and so right now is the first time that i i'm in a home mm. and i don't have any plans to leave it <laughs> in probably over 20 years. Wow. And the truth of that is, for me, I really needed it. Mm -hmm. It has really, really been healing for me in a lot of ways. Um, it's, and you know, it's, uh, there have been some very uh, opportune opportunities. There have been some, I feel really, really blessed. Number one, I have Tay, who can set up a video recording studio for me at home where I can have three cameras shoot. Um, I have True Fire, which is um, yep. the company I've been recording instructional videos with. Yeah. Are you familiar with their stuff? Yeah, yes. And they're, um, so they're, they're, a, they're recently, uh, they recently had some kind of merge investment thing happen where they're kind of growing Oh, nice. In another big way, they've they've bought Jam Play, and now they're they're sharing all their collective students, which is a massive amount of students, online students, and um, you know, there's just there's a lot of power behind their machine, and they're really pushing for us as their teachers uh, to to do as much as we can on our own at home, and they'll get behind it mm. and push. I mean, normally what we, yeah. we would all be going there and they'd be making, you know, they'd be recording our class. Our, Creating content. You know. Yeah. So now they're trying, they're really helping us and pushing us and kind of holding the earth for us to, to do as much as we can on our own. And they'll push gotcha. and they'll help brand us, you know, all that stuff. So I really, my, I have, if I can keep myself organized, which is challenging. And if, I can keep myself disciplined, which is challenging, yeah. but I kind of have to now. It's like I really have a job yeah. that requires me to sit at home and make content, as much yeah. content as, yeah. as I can possibly make. Um, and in addition to that, you know, there's there's different groupings of some some of my colleagues who are trying to band together to do events. Um, whether they're teaching events or 
concert events mm-hmm. and we're trying to, you know, we're trying to tap into ways we can do do events and not just give them away for free because everyone's doing stuff online for free. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my my latest um, attempt at that. Well, there's a couple things in the in the works. One is a, a, a guitar camp, a virtual guitar camp. We're calling we're calling mm, it fun. guitar guitar cloud symposium, and uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, three other guitarists and myself and. Um, I don't. I shouldn't really say more about it right yet, but we'll be re- we'll sure. be launching You're it in the next coming. couple of weeks. But it's right. a couple of you know some really big names and uh, really all different awesome. kinds all different kinds of music and um, you know so we're trying That's to exciting. get some stuff behind that and and get you know make that a serious a money making event. Right. Um, I'm I'm attempting to do this virtual house concert thing where uh, we haven't done one yet, but you know, I mean, I'm, I've played a lot of things online. I have a weekly show I do online, sure. Front Porch Thursdays, which is, you know, I'm just doing that. It's about an hour long. It's turning into a little bit of a variety show, which is fun. <laughs> but, um, you know, big money yeah. makers, it is not. And um, right. so, you know, we're trying to uh, launch a, an idea called Virtual Interactive House Concerts, where we'll, we'll combine a Zoom meeting with, you know, Picture a house concert. You you say, Vicky, I want to hire you to play for my friends. I'm going to invite 20 of my friends. They'll get a Zoom link and they'll get a YouTube link. Mm. And we'll all meet and hang out. I'll hang out with everybody in the Zoom room before right. the concert. <laughs> I'll do the concert via live stream to YouTube so I have a good sound. Right. And uh, then after the concert, I'll come back to the Zoom room and we'll hang out more. Nice. And, uh, you know, there'll be a ticket. It'll be ticketed. So it'll be, a, you know, like you, you know, as close as we can get to me coming over to your house. Right. Um, so, you know, we're just trying to invent things like that, but I'm, these things are doable yeah. now, you know, yeah. and, and truthfully, Steve, I don't know about you, but I'm, I think the music world is going to have to just reshape itself around yeah. doing things differently. Yeah. I don't know for how long, but COVID, it, it hasn't gone away. No. <laughs> You know, and we not. don't have a cure. We don't have a vaccine. Even when we get a vaccine, 100% of the people aren't going to take a vaccine. Um, right. So, you know, how how do, how do we move forward? And I feel like I'm in a really, just really kind of blessed position. Number one, I really want to be home right now. Um, number mm. two, I have a lot of resources at home. Yeah. I have a lot of support. Um, yeah. You know, the, my biggest fear and challenge is my, it's just my own, will I, will I produce the content I want to produce? I get in my own way a lot. Sure. Now maybe sure. that's part of the musician trait. I don't know. I'm not saying we're all like that, but you know, yeah. um, it's a real challenge and I'm, I'm grateful, I you know, I always, yeah. you know, always had the excuse of, well, I'm trapped, we're leaving in three weeks and I can't, you know, uh, can't uh, do this. Well, yeah. I don't have that excuse. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that I'm going to rally on behalf yeah. of, you know, helping make a living for my family and also, you know, because I I have work to give. Yeah. I have music to give. I have content to give. I have writing to do and and, and new recordings to make. Sure. So, you know, it's yeah. a challenge. It's scary. But uh, I'm blessed in that I'm, I'm really, really happy to be home. Nice. Nice. So. For those, when all this happened in... 2018 
Are, um, I'm assuming you had a guitar with you. Were you like playing and songwriting or was it all just head down dealing with the family stuff? Um, mostly it was having to deal with stuff and it was being on yeah. a in such an overwhelmed state of grief and shock and yeah. uh, stress that, you know, I mean, I had I had a wish that, oh, I would just get to Texas and, and write an album, you know, and it's like, give me a break. <laughs> yeah. Give me a break. And even <laughs> yeah. as we speak now, yeah. um, you know, I still, I'm still processing. I'm still digesting. Absolutely. I'm still working on uh, making uh, making grief uh, handleable because on some days or minutes or hours it doesn't necessarily feel yeah handleable. So you know I'm still working on yeah overwhelming. I'm still working on all of that and you know I wrote one song during that time and I'm I love it and I think it just was a beautiful gift and I. I if it's okay to tell the story of it, I, I would love sure. to. Sure, yes, please do. It's I'd one love the, to hear it's it. It's one of those, it's, you know, so it was February and um, my brother and his wife died December 8th, 2018. So now it's February, 2019, very beginning, uh, twenty yeah, 2019, beginning of the month. And excuse me, I think I have a burp in me. No. And uh, mm-hmm. a friend of mine has told me a uh, year and, Every year she would say in February, Vicki, you got to join February Album Writing Month online group. And it's a group of songwriters from all over the world who gather every February. And the goal is to try to write 14 songs in the 28 days of February. Wow. I don't know what they do on the leap year thing, but... <laughs> So, and they support one another mm. and it's, you know, everybody posts songs and everyone listens to everybody's stuff. I mean, there's thousands of members now. And um, my friend Sonia Heller has, has been doing it for years and she's, she's got a strong community there and she, you know, she turns that shit up. She <laughs> comes up with her 14 songs every year and I'm wow. so envious. I had dipped my toe in, I think the, the previous year, 2018 and, you know, did a little bit, but I, I, I just, I never really got fully into it. And so I was thinking I was so, felt so isolated from the music world at that mm. point in time because everything in my life had just kind of been torn away. And, and uh, so I yeah. said to myself, you know, you should check in. Just go to the, the website, see what's going on. And one of the things they'll do is every, I don't know if it's every day or every week, there's a prompt. Mm. And then there's all kinds of little subgroups of people doing all <laughs> kinds of things, you know, if you want to write about dogs or this. I mean, it's really, it's <laughs> amazing. February, it's, it's F-A-W-M, February Album Writing Month, FAWM, I think it's ah. .org. And uh, for any cool, songwriter cool. listening to this, go check it out. It's really, it's, <laughs> oh, you know, the website's up all year, but it's dormant until really February yeah. comes. So um, I thought, let me see what's in there on February 1st. I go on the website and there's a prompt and the word is clothing. And what had been happening for the the first month after, well, really December, January, first couple of months after my brother and his wife were killed, um, my nephew was was starting to clear out their bedroom. And my sister-in-law was very, very artsy, craftsy Mm -hmm. and 
she's a wonderful artist, but she also sewed and knitted. And she had sewn my brother a bunch of beautiful shirts. Mm. And McCoy kept coming down. My nephew kept coming downstairs every other day or so with one of those shirts on. <laughs> you know, and they were my brother's shirts. He didn't, they weren't really my brother's style. So he never, he didn't wear them a lot. <laughs> And like these shirts looked really great on my nephew. And I was like, oh my God, I love that shirt on you. You know, so we would yeah. just like kind of ooze all over him about it. He, and, and I know it felt really good to him because the shirts were really a combination of his mom and his dad. Yeah. You know, the, his mom made them and they were for his dad who did wear them occasionally. Hmm. So it was just, just really like just being wrapped around his mom and dad, wrap, wrapped around him. You know, it was really cool. One day he comes down. And it's not a shirt that his mom made, but it it was, uh, we were in Texas, but in February, it was January-ish. It was still mm, cold. Yeah. There were some cold days. So he came down in this brown suede shirt, long-sleeved. It was really, really beautiful on him. Mm. And, you know, me and Tay are like petting him, and he's all <laughs> like, wow, isn't this, I'm so, I look so good. And, and yeah. you know, it's just beautiful. And so... While this is all happening, then I go into the songwriter thing and I get this prompt for clothing. Mm. And it just came right to me. You know, it's like, wow. I got I to gotta write this song. And it's, it's so short. It's not, I don't even know if it's truly a song, but I stretch <laughs> it out when I play it, you know. Sure. And uh, I, ended up, I ended up calling it Where I Am, Where, W-E-A-R. Yeah. And um, the... I, it's on my. It's on. I play it on my Mando tar. I don't. I don't really have that ready, but um, yeah. it's called oh, uh, "Where I Am," and I. It's the lyrics are so short and simple. Um, um, a touch of you, your brown suede shirt. A touch of you, your brown suede shirt. Um, oh, I can't even think of them right now. But it, it's it's <laughs> it's just charming and sweet, and mm. you know, it's basically just like you know here you are wrapped around me and yeah. you know i can smell you and i can feel you and and um i can miss you yeah and that's like the song i wrote you know and <laughs> i know there will be more yeah but um you know i had i had made some tapes it's just so raw still, yeah i know, know i get that, it even a yeah. year and a half later it's so raw i had made some tapes of music while i was there and during those first few months just some ideas. And, you know, for, for most, most of, I can't really listen to them. Yeah. They're just too sad. Yeah. So I, I just have to continue to trust that the creative process isn't, isn't dead. It didn't die with my brother. It will come alive again, but it's in there working and digesting and making sense out of the experiences of those past year and a half. And I just have to yeah. not give up. Yeah. faith and the trust that, you know, I'll be able to get that music out when, when I do. Yeah. You know, we like to put time <laughs> frames on our creative process, don't we? It's like, right. well, I'm going to have this album by, by then. And sometimes that works, but in this case, not, not, not so, so much. much. Yeah. Your brother, he was, he played music also, right? Yeah. My brother was a bass player and he, I have one he of, played guitar or? he played guitar, but he, he, yeah, he was probably a bass player. That's right. I have, I have now one of his uprights, which is a trip. What an amazing instrument! Oh, I saw. Was that, 
Was that in the other room that I saw yeah. that upright base, or is that a different? Oh, that's yeah. so awesome. Yeah. So, woo, that's that's a fun thing to have. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. Ha- ha- have you ever played an upright? Um, not seriously. I mean, I've picked <laughs> one up and like doodled around on it, but yeah. um, they're cool. I love the the low instruments. I love like playing Barry sax. Yeah. Um, I actually played. I don't, well, I, pr- traditionally I play alto or tenor, but several years I was playing Barry and actually um, my sister passed away a little over a year ago and oh, she, she so was, a, yeah, she, um, thank you. She was a, we were both the musicians in the family, really. She was a teacher and I ended up playing at her memorial and I don't know why, but I played on Barry. <laughs> But huh. it just felt right just, to play on yeah. a low, but yeah, that's interesting, but, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what did I want to ask you? Are you, uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, Was there singing in your house? Like, were, were your family singers as well? Like, you you have a great singing voice, and I'm just, you don't really talk about the singing side of yeah. uh, your history. You know, my family were, not, my dad was a singer. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was a multi-instrumentalist. He kind of got me and my brother both, I think, into music. And I think my mom also played piano, but I don't. I don't remember much about that. I think she kind of put that aside mm. as she became an adult. But my dad, um, you know, I do remember being young and sitting around and doing, you know, he'd sing, we'd sing along, we'd do stuff like that. My brother was not really a singer much, um, but mm. I had an experience. I was just telling a friend of mine the other day um, I remember this. I saw, I, we, I took piano lessons when I was really little. Three, I was, in fact. Mm-hmm. And um, That's young. It's really young. I, I, don't, I don't remember asking for lessons, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm told that I asked for them. And I had a toy piano. But do I remember my teacher? And I do remember the piano, the grand piano. And she wrote the letters on, on the keys with pencil. And I loved, loved, loved my lessons. And I loved my little music books, those, whatever (laughs) method it was, I can't remember. There was a blue one and a red one, and I got gold stars. I mean, that, I remember very little about being young, but Mm. I really remember that. Like, that just got, you know, it was so impressionable on me. And I remember, so, so we, when we, uh, I was in New York City at the time. We lived in the in Washington Heights. And uh, we moved when I was seven to the suburbs of Jersey. And we we inherited from a relative, I think it was, an upright, an old upright piano that was pretty mm-hmm. out of tune. But it was, you know, I could keep playing it. And I took lessons for a while as a, as a teenager and stuff. And I remember sitting there one day. I probably was 11. And I can't remember who I who I was listening to, but it must have been, it was some black singer, 
Was it Stevie mm-hmm. Wonder? Was it Aretha Franklin? Was I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> and it wasn't Michael Jackson, I don't think. But it was it was a different kind of singing than Michael Jackson. It wasn't so much pop mm. music. It was probably more of R and B or soul or you know, I mean, it could have been Marvin Gaye. I don't know. But the the feeling and the, I had both this lo- incredible longing and and simultaneously this incredible frustration. And the longing was I wanted to be able to sing like that. Mm. And the like that, to me at that time, was like a black singer. Mm. And I and I knew that like I just didn't have that in my anatomy. Mm-hmm. Like this was my thinking, <laughs> you know. This was my eleven year old. Right. You know, if only I could like do that with my voice or have that thing in there. Mm. And I, I you know I I don't I couldn't put any of it in words. It was just this feeling of like God, I want to be able to do that. Yeah. And so singing for me was always hard, and took effort. Guitar playing, once I started, but I started guitar at around five, never took lessons. Mm-hmm. So it was always an intuitive instrument for me. Yeah. Which I think is wonderful now looking back. Um, mm-hmm. But I never, um, I, I guitar was easy. Guitar was like I had a gift. I could play it easily. I could learn it easily. I took my own direction with it. Um uh, whatever I spent time on, I would, I would, I would excel at. Mm. Obviously, I didn't spend time on many things, <laughs> but the things I did work with, it was easy. Mm. Voice was a whole nother thing, and it was, and it was hard. <laughs> I sang flat for many, many years out of tune. I, mm. you know, I didn't have proper breath control. Um, I was not by any means someone that just could open their mouth and have a good voice, like my friend Kelly Bedwell. Um, who I'm so envious of people like that. Because there's people who can just literally, yeah. they never had to work at it and they can just sing. And I'm like, right. and I think that was part of the feeling too as a young girl. It's like, I want to just be able to open my mouth like that and sing and there be nothing interrupting, you know, the feeling that I'm trying to get out and the and the sound. And, and that's always been a struggle for me. So I have taken years and years and years and years of voice lessons um, from mm. many different teachers. And um, to this day, I have to practice. I have to practice regularly to keep my voice in good shape. And, I, you know, I don't know about you, but, I, you know, I'm always, I'm always wanting to grow musically. Yeah. You know, I want to yeah. get better at the things I'm not great at. And, and, <laughs> and with music, it's like there's so many cool and fun and amazing. I mean, you know, I'd love to get back to piano. I'd love to play jazz. Mm-hmm. I'd love to, there's a million things I'd love <laughs> right. to do. And, you know, I don't, I'm going to die before all, most of it, but <laughs> we can't, we can't help but wish, you know, yeah, yeah. think about those things. And I know there's so much more I could do with my voice if I were to work back at it hard again. Um, you know, I stopped taking lessons about two years ago, I think. I had found a great, great teacher, Judy Venar. And uh, Judy tours with Bobby McFerrin. Oh, She's one wow. of his voice extra yeah. um, players. And, you know, she's she's just a great she's a great singer, but she's also a great teacher and, and she she helped me with some yeah, she just helped me in a bunch of ways. Nowadays there's uh, there's stuff online that we can all yeah. get and exercises and this and my other friend Kelly Burgess is a great vocal teacher too. So it's like I'm still grabbing 
from different people's things, but I have to do a warm up. I have to get my voice going. I have to stretch my vocal cords mm. daily, yeah. or at least you know a couple of days before I I do a gig. It's I can't just rely on you know an innate sense of skill. Mm. I just never had it with yeah. voice. It was always the guitar was was different. Yeah. So thanks for bringing that up too, because also being what I do on guitar is unique. It's different. It's unusual. Mm -hmm. And I think I have a voice of my own. I think a lot of people can hear my playing and go, oh, that's that sounds like exactly. a big fan. Um, most people don't think of me as much as a singer. They just think of me as a guitarist who does that strange <laughs> stuff in open right. tunings. <laughs> So, I mean, to the point where I did a, I did a gig in Germany, I'd played it two times before, and I was back for the third time. Guitar, It was a guitar shop in Berlin, mm. a really cool place. And um, I'm doing sound check. Again, this is the third time I've been there. I always sing. Mm -hmm. you know, at, least half my, at least half my set is vocals. Yeah. And um, some, maybe more. And the, the owner of the... The store is listening to me do sound check, and he says, "Oh my God, I didn't realize you could sing." And I'm just, <laughs> and your voice sounds incredible. And I'm like, "Wow, that's so amazing!" Because I've sang all the other times I've been here, and you know, most of my set is me singing. So it's just, it just kind of reiterates the fact that people yeah. think of me as a, a guitar player, and a lot of times they don't. Right. Even think about the fact that I sing. So it's 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 an interesting thing. Um, yeah. Where did songwriting come into the mix for you? Like, was that early on as well? In your when you were playing guitar, did yeah. you start writing songs? I was starting to write when I was when I was a young teenager. You know, twelve, eleven, twelve. Um, I was never a prolific writer. I was never a songwriter that wrote tons of songs. My songs were like to this day. They're still like. Okay. Um, if I finish three or four songs in a year, that's good. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, yeah. But uh, I I had the wish to write from it from a pretty early age. I wrote a song when I was I must have been six, <laughs> and it was on all the open strings on the guitar, and it was just <laughs> it was called "I'll Be Gone," "I'll Be Gone," "I'll Be Gone," oh. I'll be gone. Oh, it wasn't all. It was only the four strings. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, that was my first song. And I, yeah, it was five or six. So, you know, but it's That's not... sweet. It's not like I was like, then I was pounding songs out, like, you know, a mile a minute. Yeah. But... Um, sure. Yeah, I, I have an un... I have... I, this is me, and I... Do you write songs? I... I do. I'm not very, I, I have a real interest in songwriting. I've written a lot of songs without lyrics. Like I've written a lot of uh, just like charts, I guess I would call them or like music, but not, only in the last few years have I actually tried to write lyrics, but super challenging. Yeah. Super yeah. challenging. Um, I have ideas for about, I, and I'm going to try, I won't exaggerate. I, I would estimate I have ideas for about 150 songs, maybe more. 
and I'd say like lyrics. No, are you talking about or musical music? ideas? And you know, just beginnings mm. of songs. A couple of progressions, an A and B section may have melody, may not have melody, may mm -hmm. just be chords, may just be a groove. Um, and I, I, you know, I hope I get to complete a good deal of those. Right. You know, because I listen, I will listen to stuff <laughs> that I had no recollection of ever coming up with, and I'll listen and I'll be really inspired. You know, many times it's like, oh my right. god. You know, and so it's it's one of the stories of my life. You know, to be written on my tombstone. Mm. If only she had been able to follow through with those 150 <laughs> songs, the world would have more of her music. But <laughs> do I don't you know. do you capture? You have all those ideas captured somewhere? I have a lot of them captured. A lot of them are on, but you know, various yeah. things. I've, yeah. I, I've given up on the the ones that are on cassette. <laughs> if we add those in, I probably have another three three hundred, four hundred songs, song wow. ideas. You yeah, know, but I, those are from you know, nineteen seventy, nineteen eighty, ninety. You know, I mean, it's insane. So you know, I I often think if I if I had that that other creative partner with me, somehow, you know, like if I mm -hmm. had Simon and Garfunkel, if I had, if I had yeah. that other person, maybe I'd have better, you know, better completion in my songwriting. I want to write songs. I want to really badly. And um, mm. so I will, you know, I'll continue to, to do my best. One of the things that I've, I've discovered I also love, which I kind of discovered by default, is I really dig um, coming up with unusual arrangements of great cover songs. Mm, yeah. You know, and I didn't, I didn't understand that as a young um, singer, songwriter, artist. I didn't understand what I could do with cover songs. I didn't understand I had the artistic liberty and freedom to do that. And I didn't, I just, yeah. I never really understood it. So for years and years and years and years, I just said, no, I don't <laughs> want to do other people's music. I only want to do my own music. And it was like, then I realized Oh my God. And so, you mm -hmm. know, I have uh, one of, it's, I, I've covered some really, really classic songs that I really love how I've covered them. You know, Norwegian Wood is one. Uh, What's Going On yeah, that's is a another great one. one. Um, then I did a whole album of cover tunes called Uncovered <clears throat> mm -hmm. with various artists accompanying me. Uh, Summer Breeze by uh, Seals and Crofts. Summer Breeze, make me <laughs> feel fine. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> Stings, Fragile, Imagine. I mean, and now yeah. I'm doing cover versions of my cover versions. So I just <laughs> did, like I did a, I had a crazy out there, uh, out there just meaning it's so different, arrangement of Imagine on, um, on my uncovered CD. Mm. And um, as I'm getting more into teaching now and getting content for my teaching, channel, which it'll be called my True Fire channel. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of like a teaching website. Um, I'm realizing that, you know, the, the arrangements I would play are more complex a lot of times than what I would teach a stu most students. Yeah. So now I'm kind of taking my arrangements and making e simplify or simple, well, just different, Yeah. different arrangements. I mean, I came up with an arrangement 
of Imagine and of All Along the Watchtower, second versions of cover <laughs> tune, you know, so my, they're the second generations and they're completely right. different than my first arrangements. So I'm just, I'm just finding, you know, kind of the last 15, 20 years, wow, there's so much that, there's so much creative creativity I can put into the cover versions of, of great songs. Yeah. So I'm really just loving that. Here's Vicki singing her original song, Don't Give Up. How does that start with you? Like, do you, are you listening to the song and you're like, you're like Norwegian would, for example, maybe you're listening to it and you go, wow, I'm hearing, I'm hearing it go this way. Or you have maybe a nugget of an idea of like, I'd like to try this. Or do you just start playing it and see where? There's kind of, I can enter, I enter in a couple of different ways. One Norwegian would um, a lot of times I'll find it, I, I will just spend time, what I call noodling, in a particular tuning. And in that noodling process, you know, I'm just really exploring what's here, what can I do, what sounds cool, what's interesting. And um, I, I remember specifically Norwegian Wood, I, in a noodle, I all of a sudden said to myself, oh, that sounds like Nor Norwegian Wood. What if I, oh, let me see, can I actually do those chords? What's the changes? Oh, yeah. yeah. And so it kind of started that way. Whereas a, a song like All, the, All, All Along the Watchtower, um, I was asked to do a Bob Dylan, to play at a Bob Dylan um, song circle or something like that. Everyone was going to play three songs. It was a celebration of one of his birthdays. And, um I, I, you know, I didn't know a lot of Dylan's songs, not know them in, in the sense of know them, you know, know all the five billion lyrics. And um, so, <laughs> I, you know, I, tambourine man. So um, blowing in the wind. Yeah. So I so I started looking. So mm. went on YouTube, as we now do. We YouTube songs. Right. And I. Um, I, I was so actually so ignorant about some of his more well-known songs. I didn't realize that when I, you know, Googling Dylan, 
songs, and I see this Jimi Hendrix thing video come up, and I'm like, what the... I thought I'm looking at Dylan's stuff, you know? So it's like, <laughs> Jimi Hendrix is playing all along the Watchtower, and I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Let me see Bob Dylan's version of it, you know? So then I went right. to see the the original, and it's like... Okay, well, I couldn't. I couldn't even come close to Jimi Hendrix. I'm not even interested in Bob's version of it. And, it's, and then I just kind of went, you know, all over the place. I saw Dave Matthews' version. I listened mm. to a Michael Hedges version. And in that case, you know, like I, I kind of inundated myself with a bunch of different versions. And then I, I was able to say, what is a Vicky version? You know, and it's got three chords, okay? I got to find an interesting tuning because I mm -hmm. just can't, I can't bear it. I'll be bored, <laughs> you know? And yeah. um, and so I found this really great, beautiful C minor 11 tuning. And I found that it was pretty easy if, you know, and it was close to the original key, which worked for my vocal. And I said, okay, mm. I could I could do this and it gives me a lot of options, you know, because mm. I can find... My three chords, um, and have the open strings available. Yeah. And you know, it just was. It was just. And then I could start doing a few chords, chord substitutions. You know, when you start substituting a minor, <laughs> like the 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 six minor. What do you what do you call that? Um, when you sub like instead of a so you got C minor, B flat, A flat, and then instead of the A flat, I'll substitute the F minor. Mm hmm. And um, it's just beautiful because it, on this particular tuning, yeah, I should just show you because it's really beautiful. <laughs> is that okay? That's great. Yes. Yeah, this is really so. It's I have to tune. Mm. So there's the tuning. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, and I've yeah. And um. So, mm. and it's just, it's just so pretty, you know? Um, yeah. And then I, I might, anyway, yeah. so that's the basis of that. Gorgeous. You know, and I was like, yeah, this works. <laughs> I could do this song now. Right. So in that, in that instance, you know, I came... I came at it with a song in mind, mm -hmm. and I and I kind of wanted I wanted to be in, I wanted to hear everybody else's version of it, and and then that helped me figure out how I wanted to do the it, Vicky version. You know? Yeah, yeah, and then I think um, what's going on came similarly by me noodling around in a tuning, and all of a yeah. sudden hearing a particular voicing that reminded me of of the initial progression in there, you know, and it's like oh right. Uh, I was I did a cover of Groovin' 
by the young rascals. Mm-hmm. Uh, very little, but I know. Oh them. <laughs> God, they were great. Yeah, because yeah, oh, they had some great hits in the seventies. Really great, fun, great hits. And um, so I'm doing grooving, mm. and I've got a bass line going on, and it's a really strange technique where I'm playing the bass line with my left hand on top of the guitar, and I'm tapping the harmonics. And it's all syncopated mm-hmm. and everything. But the ba- that bass line, boom, 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 boom. Well, it's, it's the bass line for a million songs. Right. And <laughs> most notably, in my mind, as I was kind of in the midst of that arrangement of that, that song, I started to hear the temptations. It just, just my imagination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> running away with me. So now I'm like, oh my God, it's both of those songs. And, you know. Um, That's so fun. So, so ideas come from different yeah. avenues. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. How do you, I don't play guitar. So when you, when, when you have 29 different tunings, does it change the fingering on the fretboard, like how does that work when you change the tuning? Do you have to rethink where all the notes are? <laughs> this might be a very ignorant question yeah. on my part, but <laughs> no, it, it it's not ignorant at all. That's not an. That's a completely smart question to ask. <laughs> the reason I do it is because I'm not primarily a lead player, mm-hmm. so I'm primarily either doing some kind of finger style, picking, percussive technique yep. thing, instrumentally thing, or I'm accompanying myself singing. Right. That's really my, those are my fortes. I'm not, I'm not a lead player. So mm-hmm. I don't, now, do I wish I was? Of course. <laughs> It's one of the things I feel regretful that I never studied, right. you know. Um, so often, you know, but most of what I do doesn't involve having to do single line, single line notes. If I were that player, then it wouldn't make any sense at all to play <laughs> in 29 different tunes. Right. <laughs> okay. Understand. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. Just in my brain, yeah, I'm so, thinking, oh, my God. How do you keep track of all that? Yeah. <laughs> right. Now, I'm still I'm still I'm still playing chords. So I, you know, an A chord in standard tuning is played differently than an A chord in an open D tuning or an open right. G tuning or a C2 tuning or a C minor 11 tuning. Chord shapes. Yes. And again, if I were more of a jazz player, um It'd be really hard. It'd be mm. really challenging. Yeah. Because th- we're talking about, you know, but I, it's learnable. Mm. Anything is learnable. Right. Um, some of the some of the other some of my colleagues who use open tunings, uh, two two guys who I'm thinking of in particular. One is Pierre Ben Bensusan, who is a very famous French uh, guitarist, fingerstyle guitarist. He plays exclusively in one open tuning. It's Dadgad, D A D G A D. And um, so that's the only tuning he uses, and he knows he knows his way around. He knows his way mm. around. He can play single note lines easily. I mean, he's learned it, just as you would learn 
in a standard tuned guitar, here's my scales, here's my chord forms, here's my major chords, here's my minors, here's my sharp 11. You know, you Peter Finger, another uh, great player from Germany, he uses a variation of that dadgad tuning. It's pretty much the only, only tuning he uses. He knows his way around. So, you know, in that sense, um, there's a depth that you can get to if you're only working with one or two open tunings, let's say. Mm -hmm. There's a depth where you might be able to say you, you'd have a broader vocabulary of chord voicings and, you know, single line patterns, scale patterns, arpeggio patterns. You probably go deeper um, than I go mm. having 29, but I now I have more like 36 <laughs> tunings. So, um, you know, so it's, a tra it's really a trade-off. And I think... I don't know if you you can say the same about you, um, but I think I think something we have to ask ourselves as musicians is you know at, what do I feel like I want to learn? How do I want to take my education further? Mm -hmm. Do I want to learn a m more things, or do I want to take <laughs> Some things I already know and go deep, right? right? Because yeah. there's, there's like this depth. So what I've done in a way is that I've said, let me take the things that have come to me through my own creative explorations, which are some of these altered techniques and tunings and percussive things and tapping of mm -hmm. harmonics and things like that are a little outside the box. Let me, let me take those and go as deep as I can. Yeah. Let me let me take this art of grooving with with a strum to like a really really deep level, and 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 I, I don't even know how to put words to it. But so I've kind of made that choice, and it doesn't mean I'm not missing <laughs> learning other things because I do yeah. miss learning other things. You know, I miss. I love when I see Peter Finger playing, you know, these incredible arpeggiated lines in his open tuning. And I go, wow, I wish I could do that in one of my tunings, but I don't, I, di I didn't go there. You know, yeah. I didn't take that route, mm. but you know, this is what I can do. I can lay down this groove and this is how it goes. And it's got these crazy things going on with it. And it's just this whole magical harmonic mm. thing. And, and so, you know, yeah. now they're, there's bound to be musicians who can do it all, but I'm not one of those, you know. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> so I kind of just took my niche stuff and yeah, I've awesome. just kind of, you know, and as I can take in new techniques, I do. And mm -hmm. as I can, you know, I try to stretch myself when I'm writing or creating a new uh, arrangement of a song to do something, yeah. you know, I haven't done before, but... What? Tell me about the banjo. Do you are you playing <laughs> much banjo? You got a banjo not that long ago, I don't think. I got it quite a few years okay. ago. I I it's it's one of the things that I uh, hope I do more of. The banjo is is it's a six string, so it's yeah. a, it's a guitar banjo. Yeah, okay. it doesn't have the high string like a like a five string. Um, but I, I love, I love thing. I love many things about the, the sound of a banjo. I love 
the banjo head being a drum head. So when I oh, right. I can actually do do percussive things on it. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's it's kind of like. It's just another one of those things that, so I, being that it's like a guitar yeah, and it's got six strings, I put it in all kinds of tunings and, um, you know, it's, it's another one of those things kind of that's waiting for me to really get to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what happens is I go and pick up the banjo and I love the tonalities and I love what I can do with it, uh, with the percussion on the, he- the head itself. And then I miss the bottom that I get out of my mm. big jumbo guitar that I've been playing the last 10, 12 right. years. And I have to run back to that. So I'm, I'm <laughs> like, what, you know, I, I, right. it's interesting. <laughs> and even when it comes to um, electric guitar, you know, I mean, electric guitar is so much fun in, in so many ways that acoustic isn't because you're free to do so much mm. more in terms of, well, there's, it's just a different thing you know you don't have the heaviness yeah. the thick strings you know you have all of the effects and amps and blah blah and all that stuff yeah. but i i'm i'm such a like i'm just so enthralled by the sound of the acoustic guitar that i find myself always wanting to run back to it mm. it's odd <laughs> are you pl- i don't know what that are means. you playing around with that um that true, that tune wood. What is that thing? It's a new tone. Uh, tone, tone wood. Tone wood. Tone wood. Yeah, yeah, I've been playing around. I really <laughs> love the tone wood. And um, I, I just, I was telling Tay maybe yesterday. Um, I have actually. So it's a little amp that you can. You, you, it, it works. It stays on your guitar via magnets. You put a, mm-hmm. a magnetic bracing inside of your guitar which is just held by some tape, you know, it's not a big deal. And then the tome wood has a magnetic strip on the bottom. And so it it stays there and you plug it in to your pickup. I see. Um, Anyway, it vibrates, it uses your guitar body as a chamber. Mm. So it gives you the opportunity. It's like literally like having a baby amp (laughs) attached to your guitar, acoustic guitar that you can walk around with. And it's got seven or eight different effects. So it's a lot of fun, and um, right now I have it installed on one of my guitars, but my my uh, wish is that I'm going to put it on two two of the other guitars. I have bracing two more bracings, so I can put bracings in mm-hmm. one of the other guitars. It's a really old old Gibson. It's a um, 1948 Gibson LG2, which is just a beautiful guitar. And you know, here's another pro about being home. I couldn't travel with that guitar because it's really too fragile. Mm. But now that I'm home and I'm doing concerts <laughs> from home, I can use all of my instruments. I don't have to worry about traveling with them. It's really a cool thing. That is cool. So I'm going to put, yeah, I'm, I'm going to put a bracing in there and I'm going to put a brace in my big jumbo oh. so that I, you know, my kind of my favorite guitars now, I'll, be, I'll just be able to take the tone wood and bop it around between guitars. So it's a lot of fun. Now, Ideally, I thought, wow, it'd be really cool to have Tonewood amp when I'm jamming with other people. So, you know, because it, it gives you a, a little bit of volume. You know, your guitar, your acoustic guitar is suddenly bigger and it's got reverb or delay or tremolo or overdrive. <laughs> you know, it's really, it's really cool. And what a great yeah. thing when you're sitting around a campfire jamming with people. Which right. 
I'm not doing right now, but <laughs> there will be a time for that again. Right. There will be campfires. There will be. Again. And sitting around. Um, when you were, so you, you were in college for a couple of years as a music student. Yep. And what was, what were your teachers like there? What was your guitar teacher like in, at I college? And I know teachers. you, I know you left, but yeah. Um, I was at Ithaca college and the way there's uh, pro music the way their guitar program was set up at the time, I don't know what, what it's like now, but you had to split your, your studies between classical and jazz. Mm -hmm. And I had never really played either. Um, I was more of a folky, if anything, at that point. I had started to be into open tunings by then, mm -hmm. for sure. And um, so my jazz teacher, Steve Brown was really cool guy, really good guy. He was really into bebop. Mm -hmm. And and I really wasn't. <laughs> I just wasn't. Yeah. It just didn't move me. Yeah. Um I remember one of the things we start working on was uh chord what do you call it? Chord melodies mm -hmm. where you know and it's and that's a beautiful way to play guitar. I don't know why it never it never touched me. Mm. I was never like, oh, that's so, wow, I got to learn how to do that. I just, <laughs> I can't, I can't explain it. I, because to study jazz is really, to me, is kind of the ultimate thing in music. Mm. I just feel like he was not the right teacher for me at that, at that time in my life. I wasn't inspired mm -hmm. by what my, you know, daily work was in that department. It mm. wasn't doing it for me. Yeah. My teacher, my classical guitar teacher, he was a, he, his teaching, somehow he was, he was more outside of the box in a way that touched me. Mm. Um, although I didn't really like playing classical music <laughs> either, either. Um, yeah. but he was also a lute player, which is a wild uh -huh. instrument. <laughs> and, um, you know, he, he gave me one of the, one of the teaching tools that I use all the time, and he I, he, I call it rut busting. I don't know what he called it, but he, he taught us to spend the first five minutes playing our instrument, <laughs> um, doing things we've never done before. First five minutes, you pick up your instrument, play stuff you've never, ever played before. It's really hard to do. <laughs> you should try it. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And uh, so... His name was Ed, Ed Flower. And so, you know, what my dog wants to be interviewed. <laughs> hey, baby girl. Aww. I'm busy right now. <laughs> um, she's sitting there barking. I think she's hungry. Um, I just wasn't. So I was, I was, what I loved, what was moving me during my college years was to sit in the stairwell in my dorm, which was really echoey. Mm -hmm. And to take a guitar and tune it weird mm -hmm. and come up with weird songs. And occasionally yeah. Edward Flower would let me play, he would let me play one of my own songs in our like weekly recitals, which I thought was <laughs> amazing. 
no, I'm not going to play That's the song cool. I'm supposed to be working on, but can I play you this? But, you know, <laughs> after two years, I realized that I, it was, you know, I wasn't moved. I wasn't inspired by the work that I was asked to do in, in school. And it's also weird because for me, it was the very first time that I'd studied guitar. Mm. Um, what's the word? Um, like study. Yeah. Institutionally or formally. Yeah. Yeah. Formally. Yeah. Because I, you know, for my entire life since age five, I was playing guitar and it was my do it by ear instrument. Um, yeah. I had played piano, took lessons, learned to read. I played trombone in fourth <laughs> grade through high school. And it was in the marching band. I learned how to read. I did that. You know, guitar was my do what you feel instrument. It was not my study mm. this music, learn this music, da, da, da. And so I, I think that it just, as much as I love learning and I wish I had learned at that time a million things, mm. The guitar just said for me always was best left to me to be that free creative instrument, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. I, I dropped out. Yeah. And then when did you, like when, at what point were you like, okay, this is, I mean, it sounds like early on, or my instinct is early on. You were like, this is what I'm going to do. Like, this is my, it's my passion. It's also going to be how I make my living is yeah. as a working musician. Yeah, it, it was, a, um, I always wanted to do it as my life work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then there's the reality of how do you, how do you do that? <laughs> How, how does one do that? And, you know, and, and depending upon what year it is, it, there are different options. You know, you could be in a wedding band. You could, mm. um, you know, there's a lot of different options. And I, of course, at that time, too, in my early 20s, 30s, I didn't want to do cover material. I never wanted to do cover material. I didn't want to be in a cover band. So I could have had work doing that stuff. I didn't want to. So I got... You know, I learned to do some other things. Mm -hmm. I became a bartender. <laughs> Hold on one That's second. That's all right. <laughs> hey, Tay. Thanks. So I became a bartender. And then I ended up playing concerts behind the bar. Ah. You know, but it's like I, it just kept leaking out wherever I was. And then I yeah. uh, had to quit bartending because I, I started not to like drunk people. And... Um, you know, that just wasn't working for me anymore. Mm. And then I studied a kind of uh, body work called polarity, which I've, I've also been into the healing arts my whole life as a believer in energy mm. and um, self-healing and things like that. So I studied a kind of body work that was based on energy and Ayurvedic stuff and mm -hmm. loved, loved, loved it. And um, started writing some cool healing music. But that was really hard to do and make a living at, too. Mm -hmm. You know, getting clients. If you're doing massage, a little easier, but a, a kind of esoteric work that you had to really explain to people and then expect them to pay you for it. 
that was hard. That was a hard mm. thing to get going. Yeah. And um, that was in the late 90s. And then around 99, I actually did my first CD. And Tay and I recorded it at our home in Jersey. It's <laughs> called Outside the Box. And I had just started writing, really writing instrumental pieces around mm. that time. You know, up until then, my songs were more singer songwriter y and I was starting to do the percussive techniques and work them in, but basically they were still singer-songwriter type of songs. Yeah. Um, but Tay said around 2000, well, 2001, after 9-11 hit, you know, we were living in, in New Jersey right next to New York City at the time. And yeah. Tay had a, a manufacturing shop in Jersey City. If the, if the World Trade Towers had fallen straight, they would have hit her. You know, that's how close she was. Ooh. And um, if they had fallen across the river. Yeah. And so things change, and we really started questioning, what are we doing? Are we, you know, mm-hmm. some people died in that event, obviously, over 3,000 people died. And, you know, uh, the, everyone we knew knew somebody who knew somebody who got killed. You know, it was yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. So... We really reevaluated what we're doing, and Tay had her company called Taytrix, and she, you know, she wanted to keep it going, but not in Jersey City. And she ultimately moved her shop to North Carolina, where her mom lived. Mm-hmm. And um, we decided, you know, she helped me get on my feet, and just said, you know, why don't we just play? Why don't we just get you out playing? What do you, you know, <laughs> you're going to keep doing this and keep doing that and keep bartending and find another job and da, da, da. Why mm. don't we just try it? You know, for a couple of years, I'll help you do it and I'll help support you and da, da, da. And that couple of years just turned into, you know, 20. Nice. <laughs> not that, not that I am making or was making the kind of living I would like to be. Yeah. Because that's really hard to do. It is. But, you know, very shortly after that, I got... My invitation for the first time in Europe, which was to Germany, and that started a whole, um, just a whole domino effect of me meeting different people in Germany in different worlds, different musical worlds, for the guitar world, the singer-songwriter world, um, you know, just, I kept meeting different people, and so I had work there, you know, and it was a, it was, I think it was, um, there was the foreigner uh, attraction. I mm-hmm. think that people in another country appreciated Americans or out people from other countries. Mm. You know, it was easier for me to stand out or to get work in Germany than it was in New York City. Right. And <laughs> um, so I went where it was easier. And I kept, you know, so I would go, we'd go two times a year, pretty much every year. And then... Uh, we would do some breakout tours in other countries, Switzerland, mm. England, Hungary, Czech Republic. Um, nice. And that that was really, you know, again, I wasn't I wasn't rich from that, but I was rich from the experiences of traveling and from the people that we've met, met yeah. over those years and from the friends that we've made over those years. Yeah. You know, and when I look at the fact that I may not be traveling much at least in the next year or so or two years or I don't know. Mm. You know, I'm really glad that we did what we did. I'm really glad that we got those years in 
traveling out of this country it was such a great education for me and it was such a great you know um oh i've had i've had such <laughs> wonderful wonderful collaborations with That's... musicians particularly in germany just you know some of the the dearest and mm. most wonderful musicians um and now i can you know i we can still work together in different ways now um uh, but I'm really glad I made those contacts and those connections. Right. I bet. I don't know what you asked me, but that was a <laughs> long-winded answer. No, that was good. Um, how much of an impact... And so in 2008, you won that the competition, the uh, the greatest... What was it called? The guitar... <laughs> Guitar Player Magazine's Guitar Superstar. Right, Guitar Player, Guitar Superstar. So did that, how did that change, if anything, for you your in terms of gigs and career and all that? Or I'm just curious if that amplified some things for you. Um, it did make some things easier. Um, at the time I was still going to mm -hmm. Germany a lot and, um, I did a, an album and a big concert over there that was, you know, I got some really good press there. I got some good press here, um, from mm -hmm. that. It was, um, I don't say that I have a chip on my shoulder really about, what happened, but I, I feel like my, the timing of mm. it was such that it wasn't as big of a deal as it might have been at mm. another time. I don't know. Um, I also feel like if I'd have had a big chunk of money and I could have put a PR person mm. behind it yeah. at that point, I might have been able to get more yeah. from it. You know, because, you know, I got some really nice press in the magazine, Guitar Player magazine. I made a connection with Mike Melinda, who's a great guitar connection in the guitar mm -hmm. world, and we're coming full cycle around uh, doing something with him again. And, uh, you know... I can't say it changed yeah. my world a whole lot. Yeah. It was a great experience, and I'm really proud of, yeah. of that and what I did and the fact that, you know, Joe <laughs> Satriani and Steve Vai right. and Elliot Easton from the Cars, you know, they were my judges, and they said the things they said. And, mm. you know, and I, I'm, you know, that was great. And I worked really hard to prepare mm -hmm. for it and... um you know, there was a great sense of accomplishment. I think more than anything, that 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 experience for me um, took me to a um, a place where I could say, "Wow, you you you!" It was kind of a culmination of my musical self mm. up to that point. And then I feel like mm -hmm. after that. I could kind of let myself do other kinds of things, not focus so much on, blah, 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 you know, think more about just 
composition and simple grooves mm. and you know what what do i want to say not so much what do i want to show people i can do right um so you know and i i have a lot, i have some friends and colleagues who've gone you know I, won this competition <laughs> won that one won this one then won that one yeah it's like you know what i don't know maybe it's because i'm old now <laughs> i don't i just don't yeah Oh, I, I don't, I don't really, and it's fun to do yeah. that. It's really fun to do that, but I don't feel like I need to do sure. that anymore. I'm glad I did that. I'm really glad I did that. I'm glad I won that. I'm glad I was experienced it. I'm glad I was as nervous as I was and um, right. then as happy as I was. It was a great, it was a great experience, right. but did it change my life or my career? Not really. Yeah. Maybe it gave me more confidence. You know, what was what was the experience like walking out onto that stage, knowing you're gonna get judged? And I mean, I was <laughs> I was terrified. <laughs> I was terrified. I mean, I I don't even think I realized uh, at first. I mean, once I was there, I knew. But I think when I first got the call that I was gonna be a finalist, there was ten of us, mm-hmm. you know, in a play live. I don't think I realized that the judges were then going to be on a big screen behind us and critique us. Oh. I don't think I realized that. So when I when I realized that, I was like, oh, do I want to do this? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then there was sound check. And yeah. so we're listening to each other. Yeah. And, you know, the 10, 10 of us are really good players. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm... There was two of us who were actually playing acoustic guitar, and I won first prize, and Makana actually won third prize. So two out of three of the top winners were acoustic players, which is amazing because this is sponsored by Guitar Player Magazine, traditionally electric guitar players, you know, traditionally rock, blues, uh, metal. So, um, you know, in Soundcheck, it was like, oh, no. (laughs) Right. Right. That was that even helped me be more mm-hmm. terrified, and I think I you know and then there's the live crowd, um, and that you know you, you're you're thinking a lot rides on their reaction. You know, I mean, if that if you it's like you know you imagine like in uh, if you've ever watched shows at the um, the place in Harlem, what's it called? Oh. oh, the Apollo. The Apollo, right. You know, you yeah. could get booed off the stage and you're done. You're finished. It's over. Right. You know, so it's like, are they going to boo me off stage? Shit. And uh, I'm playing Atomic Reshuffle, which is a very syncopated, fast-paced instrumental with a lot of different sections and some pauses and things like that. You know, it's like a very concentrated timing thing and everything. And the audience is... Trying to clap along. Oh no! <laughs> and and it's you know there's a lot there's a lot right. of people there and it's like it's a loud it's a and I'm right. on stage and I you know I I hear them and all of a sudden it's like you're deep into your concentrating because I really have to concentrate. There's a lot of things I have to concentrate on. This the least of which is not not least of which is my low 
sixth string, which is tuned down to a B flat, which is supposed to normally be an E. Mm -hmm. And it's tuned to the point where it's really, really, really slack. Yeah. And if, if I pick it too hard, if I attack that string too hard, it's way out of tune. <laughs> Not to mention... Anything can go way out of tune anyway, because the whole guitar is tuned in a ridiculously <laughs> insane tuning. So the whole time, you know, your focus is on not plucking any string too hard, but getting the tone you want and getting the sound you want, um, keeping the timing, and, you know, just kind of keeping your energy with you and simultaneously performing in front of these people you know that's part of the gig you have to you have to be right with them yeah. and you know they start clapping and of course and very quickly they're out right of the time. phase <laughs> and i'm like but just also because yeah. they're just out of time because the song itself is just yeah. difficult you know they don't know that they're just like trying to be enthusiastic <laughs> and it's like Oh my God, don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. You can't listen to that. Stop listening to that. Well, you got to look at them, but don't listen to that. You know, and it's just like, oh my God. And um, wow. that was terrifying. Wow. It sounds like it. Wow. And here's a clip from Atomic Shuffle that Vicky's been talking about in this section of the interview. I say to this day, I, I may be wrong, but um, the MC was, um, wow, I'm really losing my brain today. <laughs> Who is, uh, I want to say, Andy Summers? Andy Summers, yeah, from the police. Yeah. And I, you know, always, I always really loved the police, and I loved his guitar work on that, on in that project. Yeah. Really did. So I was like, wow, cool, I get to meet Andy Summers, he's our MC. Well, Andy Summers could not hardly wrap his head around the fact that I was a female. <laughs> I just don't think he could, he couldn't get it. Um, the whole time he's going, ah, these guys are incredible. Look at these guys. All these guys have been working so hard. You know, everything was these guys, <laughs> these guys, these guys. And I just had to, I just felt like he just didn't really acknowledge mm. that I wasn't one of these guys. And I did feel a little bit like, uh, I think, I think there was definitely some sexism. Mm -hmm vibes around the event and around me winning it. I do think that. Um, but when Ann, Mike Melinda had the um, the winner written down and he gave the piece of paper to Andy and Andy was going to announce it. He did announce it. And I swear to God, when you look at the video, when I look <laughs> at the video and I see him looking at the paper, it's like, he say it's like the expression on his face is like, what? 
And then he just has to say my name because he can't right. wait. And the winner is, and he says my name and his voice cracks. And I'm like, he is so fucked up over the fact that I won this that he can't even speak without his voice cracking. He's like, totally can't get it. And then I just, you know, it's like, I didn't, I just didn't feel like he, mm. you know, afterwards was. Yeah. So it was weird. And then the next day there was, there was articles on in the online, a couple of online papers from San Francisco because yeah. we did the event in San Francisco at the Great Music Hall, Great American Music Hall. And the, and the first couple of articles that came out about it had pictures of the guys and not me. Wow. And it was like, are you kidding me? Right. Are you, ki- are you, ki- are you kidding me? And I called Guitar Player Magazine. And I was livid. I was like, what, what the hell is, why aren't, why aren't there any pictures of me? And they got really defensive and they were like, we took pictures of you. It's like, well, well, what'd you do with them? (laughs) Cause they're not in any of the papers that are coming in the articles that are coming out. Oh God. You know, and I, I just, I just, you know, I was supposed to get an article in the paper, in the, in magazine months went by and it, turned into a lesson, which is a very different profile level than a, an article, yeah. you know, a feature article. A lesson is like kind of like here and is an art. So I, I just felt like there was some, you know, kind yeah. of, you know, uh, not a complete taking in of, of, the, of, of what, you know, of that. I don't yeah. know. It was odd. There was an oddness to Feels to like some... I can't say for sure what anyone right. was thinking. It's definitely but. smacks of sexism. <laughs> you know? It yeah. does a little bit. Is that why I, this ties into a question I had because you had, one of the interviews I read, you said that women are more prone. You felt that women are more prone to self-doubt. And uh, that was an interesting statement to me. And, um, and that just, it, I don't know, just hearing you talk about that makes me think about you're a, you're a woman in a male-dominated genre. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Does, have you had to battle with self-doubt a lot through, through your career? Since being born. Hmm. And I can't say that's because of what happened to me or if it's just part of growing up culturally as a female. I do. Mm -hmm. I absolutely think women are more biased or more leaning towards self-doubt than men. I absolutely think. And I think that's biology. I Mm. think there's, I think there's, I think there's biological reasons. I think there's probably evolutionary reasons for that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, and then there's the the and then there is the culture of sexism that we could trace back to yeah. you know how, when what you know yeah to, a long what, ways back the island of <laughs> right the, the island of Lesbos was that the last time that women were in charge of things I, you know that's a long time ago and um, so you know you grow up in that and of course right now with everything all that the heightened awareness about racism you know. The ism thing is really sizzling right now, mm-hmm. you know, and and right yeah. now it's all about 
black and brown lives. And, uh, yeah. But I think another subset of, of cultural bias is certainly towards women and girls. And, um, yeah. you know, I, 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 again, I don't say that as a chip on my shoulder. I know many women that, that don't have the level of self-doubt that I have. You know, I'm not saying it's like mm -hmm. you get a stamp and that's it. You know, you're stuck. Right. <laughs> but my particular personality and my, you know, hat, what, whatever, being plopped in this lifetime as a female and with the personality I have and all the behavioral stuff I grew up with, it's, um, it's something I battle with. Yeah, still to yeah. this day. Ring that you study, does that, does that help you with some of those struggles? I'm not that familiar with what the biosonic repatterning is, but I'm just curious how that plays in. It is, it is a, uh, a study of working with sound to bring the body into balance. And it's um, something I studied to be a practitioner of and then later on to teach when I was studying polarity therapy, mm -hmm. the body work I told you about, my teacher, yeah. my polarity teacher kind of invented uh, uh, this method of sound healing. He was also a musician. Uh, and it, and it, uh, it's based upon using, we use tuning forks to mm -hmm. kind of bring the body and the nervous system into a balanced state. And the theory behind it is that um, the body responds to vibration. And uh, right. my teacher, John Beaulieu, the guy who founded Biosonic Repatterning, he, he, was, he was meditating in, a, in an uh, anarchaic chamber, okay? So a completely soundproof chamber. No sound comes in, nothing comes in at all. So all you hear is yourself, basically, your breathing. Right. He was he, oops, sorry. He was meditating. Um, a friend of his had a chamber that he was using for experiments. His, John was meditating in there, and he started to hear two tones. They had to be coming from him. Mm -hmm. And he discovered um, that one of them was the sound of his nervous system. The other was the sound of his blood rushing through mm -hmm. and um he thought wow interesting i can you know i can hear my nervous system i can hear my it's a very deep kind of level of listening you know and he was intrigued by that he came back yeah. again and he brought an a440 tuning fork i think he brought two of them and uh sat down meditated heard the tones inside himself, tapped the tuning forks and put them up to his ears. <clears throat> and the tones inside of his body matched the pitch of the forks. He thought, wow, mm. my body will tune itself to an external sound or an external frequency. Mm. If that's the case, what should I tune myself to, to be in the best health I can be, or the best shape, or whatever, functioning the best I can be. Yeah. And so he went on to to research, 
And he came up with um, Pythagoras. Pythagoras was kind of a jack of all trades, wasn't he? He was a, a doc. He was a medical mm-hmm. person. He was a mathematician. He studied the stars. Yeah. My dog, the sounds we hear are my dog crying. <laughs> That's all right. Cr- it's very sweet. <laughs> because I guess Tay gave her a treat, but it was a big treat so that she doesn't want to eat it really. She feels like she has to hide it. And then she walks around the house crying because she doesn't know where to hide it. So I just want people to understand what that sound is in the background. That's what it is. Um, That's, it's adorable. So I'm not, we don't have a puppy torturing business here. Uh, So. No, no, no. um, So John decided, why don't I use a Pythagorean scale to to make my tuning forks? Because Pythagoras' work Mm -hmm. basically said, all things are related in nature. The, the, there are these sacred mm-hmm. geometries that we find in the way plants grow, the way their leaves come off of their stems, the way trees grow, the way the actual mm-hmm. stars and planets are, are set up in the sky, the mm-hmm. way our physical bodies, there are common ratios. And out of those ratios, he created the Pythagorean scale, which is our first major scale untempered before Mm -hmm. we kind of changed it so you could play in all keys. Right, right. (laughs) So John took the Pythagorean scale and he created a set of tuning forks based on that, thinking, hey, these will will line us up with those sacred geometrical numbers and and ratios or intervals, Mm. we would call them in music. And I thought that that was really... Mm. I thought that made really good sense, and I, I loved the concept, and I loved being able to... I'm a meditator. I've been meditating since I was really young, and I've been also interested in metaphysical mm. things and spiritual things and, um, you know, uh, energy and, and all of that stuff. Mm. It's, it's been yeah. a passion of mine since I was really, really young. So I've explored many, many different things, modalities and... Love John's work, love his polarity training, <clears throat> and I love the sound healing work we did. So I studied and studied and studied that with him, and then I trained myself to, with his help to be able to teach. And I teach, teach people about the tuning forks, how to use them, how to add them into work you may already be doing in meditation or massage or any kind of healing work, how to use them for specific health reasons or specific, you know. Mm-hmm. So the answer to your question, can I use biosonic pat- repatterning for my own issues around confidence? Absolutely. They're a tool yeah. that can support um, any kind of work. It's it's like, mm-hmm. what would it be like? It'd be like if you're a massage therapist and there's this really incredible oil that has these really... Uh, exceptional extraordinary properties that when you work with them they kind of add a, mm. they add some kind of particular thing to your work mm. the tuning forks in a way are like that they're something to kind of enhance um work you're already yeah. doing they work really well in tandem with uh, even just simple things like affirmations or intentionality i'll sit sometimes in the morning and i'll have uh, try to get clear on my intention for the day, you know, what I wish for this day, the kinds of things mm. 
that are important, um, whether they're states of being or qualities that I'd like. Maybe I need a certain amount of fiery energy on this particular day, and I'll, you know, and I'll take my tuning forks. And in particular, there's a C and a G, which are the interval of a fifth, which is kind of like the overall mm -hmm. balancing yin and yang. You know, the principles of yin and yang are kind of inherent in this yeah. interval of the fifth. The, the interval of the fifth is, you'll find it in many, many ancient healing um, modalities. And mm. so I'll often sit with myself in the morning and tap and say an intention. And as I'm tapping and holding the forks to my ears, I know that I'm bringing my nervous system into a more integrated state. I know that whatever I'm talking to myself about at that mm. time is going to go in more deeply. It's going to have a, a deeper nice. effect. Um, so that's, that, that's a real simple way to use them. But I do use the forks um, pretty much every day. And there's other, there's, there's awesome. other, there's forks that you can tap and place on the body and, you know, they will go deeper into the bones and things like that. Acu acupressure or acupuncture points, you can place sound on there. Mm. One of the forks in particular, uh, it's, it's an octave from the, the C of the C and G. It's 128 hertz. And it's um, mm. actually had scientists uh, do research on it where they scientists actually were using it and they found found that it spikes nitric oxide production in the body and nitric oxide oh, cool. is a very positive thing that we want to have it helps us feel good it helps us think yeah. better it helps our immune function so there there are lots of ways that uh, biosonic repatterning can be used and thank you for asking about it because it's a part of my work that I've I've not really known how to put forth in the world, you know, I'm I'm in this tract of being a musician and playing guitar mm -hmm. and da 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 and I do guitar festivals and da 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 and it's like where does this sound healing thing go? And I'm not I've never been really sure how to present it yeah. or you know, so I teach classes sometimes in certain places, but then I don't really people don't really know about it. They don't know I do it. So we're redesigning my website um, right. now and I'm actually going to feature it more prominently oh, on the cool. website. Yeah. That's cool. awesome. Cool. Um, what is, what's inspiring you right now? Where are you finding inspiration these days? Finding inspiration in the sound of birds, mm. the feel of wind and breeze on my skin, mm. the way the sun hits me at certain times of the day, mm -hmm. the way the light is at certain times of the day and into the evening. Um, I'm finding inspiration in sometimes things that I'll cook. And I'm finding inspiration in uh, moving my body, either 
walking and challenging myself to do my 2.6 miles walks, which doesn't sound very much, but for me it's it's a lot because I never do any exercise walking-wise or, you know, aerobic-wise. Mm. And then I'm also finding yeah. inspiration from Qigong practice, which I do, which is a really, really oh. great, great way to cultivate energy, cultivate qi. And um, being home and being here, I've also had more time to kind of do do some of these things more regularly, which has a deeper effect on you. Mm. Um, yeah. So those are some of the things that inspire me these days. Is there a music community around you where you're living now? Is there much music going on there? Or is it... ...new for us to be here. So to be here full-time. We've been bopping in and out for years, and most of those years, Tay's mom was alive and lived here, and so we, we, we were not as social. You know, sometimes when you're yeah. with family, you're just with family if you don't live with them all the time. So then... Yeah. So it's really new for us to make community here. We're in, um, we're outside of Mount Airy, which is quite a, it's a small city. Winston-Salem's probably the bigger, next yeah. biggest city to us. Um, now there's, there's a big, our little Pilot Mountain, which is smaller than Mount Airy. Pilot Mountain is six miles down the road from us. There's a um, music festival every year for old-time music. It's like old-time music capital. Who knew? Um, <laughs> I like some old-time music, but not all. So that's not, I don't, you know, people come from all mm. over. So that's not really yeah. what I consider. That The closest place, there are musicians around. There's a music scene, more more of a scene in Asheville, which is two and a half hours away from us. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I feel like we're just, we're just starting to discover people and musicians around here. Um, so nah. I'll probably answer that question differently in a year from now. You know, there's not like a, right. a vibrant right. scene that I feel like I'm going to jump right <laughs> into right down the road. And plus now things are weird in terms of that. You know, it's like it's we've, that's that's one of the down <laughs> for sure. One of the downsides, not being able to go out and see musicians, yeah. not being able to to just network in that way with other, with other musicians. For sure. Um, are you, do you listen to much music? Are you a big consumer of music these days or, and if so, what are you, what, what Who am are you I listening, listening to? to these days? There's a, you know, I love dance music. I love like electronic dance music. I love, I love good old R&B and Motown and, but we found uh, this this woman named Christina and the Queens, and she's so fabulous. She's French, and she's not only great; she's just a great singer. Her songs are really poppy, but pop dance, but really well produced. She's got incredible videos. She's a great dancer and choreographer. So check out her stuff if you're into that kind of stuff. Um, in the guitar world, there's a, a young woman named Yasmin Williams. Um, Y-A-S-M-I-N Williams, 
who is really, really, really doing some beautiful stuff on guitar. She, uh, she wears tap shoes while she plays. That's all I'll say about that. And then recently I fell onto this. I, I found out about Rhiannon, Rhiannon, Rhiannon Giddens, Rhiannon Giddens, who's a banjo player, who is a really uh, very special, she's a special, special human, special musician, composer, and historian. And uh, please check her out. She did a, an incredible duo, duet with Yo-Yo Ma recently. Whoosh. Really, really, really stunning. And uh, her stuff is very intense, but she's she's an artist that I feel like everyone needs to know about. She's really, really amazing. Here, Vicki shares about her brother's CD collection. My brother, um, yeah, had an amazing CD collection. And, um, you know, from an, for as long as I can remember, he just loved listening to all kinds of music. Well, as I guess as a teenager, he was m- really into rock Um growing up in the 70s. Um, but he was a Zappa fan. He was into, later on got into jazz, got into classical. He worked as an engineer for Sony Classical for a while. Um, and I was just amazed at the breadth of his musical taste. I, I was envious because I, I didn't have that same, you know, I kind of liked what I liked and don't give me stuff that's outside of my little liking genres, which was basically growing up with uh, folk music like James Taylor, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and then your uh, Jackson 5 and stuff like that. I was really into R&B and soul. So, that you know, I have now about seven huge boxes of his CDs. I could not let them go. Um, and his son didn't want the CD collection because those are outdated. He took his LPs. But, um, they're in the garage, and the plan is that we will take a couple of CDs out at a time randomly and just listen, you know, just kind of to honor my brother and just help expand my own musical taste and palette. And here's what advice Vicky would give to her younger self. In terms of the younger Vicky, you know, I, I love the path that I took because it's very unique. I kind of created my own sound and my own techniques. However, I do wish that I had studied jazz, you know, and at the time when I was in college studying jazz, I was so bored and I was so not into it. So it's like, I don't know how you get a 20 year old or 19 year old or 18 year old to, to follow something they're not excited about. And for whatever reason, you know, sometimes I just think it was a matter of not having the right teacher. And, uh, I have since gone on to become a teacher and and try to be that right teacher for people um but yeah i think that's you know because now it's it's the piece of my musical self that i wish i i wish i had under my fingers i wish i had chops i wish i had scales and didn't have to go through all that stuff i know i could still do it but i wish i already had it and to wrap things up vicky tells us what events are coming up for her And she gives us a few parting words. Things that are coming up, um, really excited. August 7th through 10th, I've been asked to be part of a um, a, a virtual guitar camp spearheaded by Jennifer Batten. If you don't know Jennifer Batten, she was Michael Jackson's guitar player for 10 years. She did all the world tours with him. She's that electric guitarist with the, with, 
with the hair. Like they, they did things to her hair that you can't even imagine a human's hair could do. And uh, she got to be really upfront and with a lot of uh, stage antics and, you know, side by side with Michael and a lot of stuff. Um, after she toured with Michael for 10 years, she then went on to be part of Jeff Beck's band for three years. So Jennifer is also a great educator, very passionate, passionate about it. And she's put together something called Guitar Cloud Symposium. And I'll be a teacher, and there's two others besides me and Jennifer, Neely Brosh, another uh, amazing, amazing guitarist, and Gretchen Men. Um, <clears throat> Gretchen Men, Neely Brosh, Jennifer Batten, me. And we're going to be teaching over four days. Basically, Saturday, Sunday will be the main teaching days. Friday's a get to know each other. Monday's a cocktail hour and celebrate and give away some sponsor items and guitars and things. It, anyway, it's, it's turned into being a, an amazing thing. 24 different modules, all kinds of things. Not just, uh, you know, not just electric guitar stuff, but all over the place. Different genres, different topics that deal with all kinds of things. So really excited about that. You can find out more about it on guitarcloudsymposium.com. Um, I've been doing a YouTube series, a mini-series called 3D Accompaniments and Arrangements. And I'm arranging cover songs in, uh, in Vicky kind of ways, which is just kind of thinking outside the box. And so uh, each week I've been doing a song. I've got six, six of them done so far. And uh, trying to cover different kinds of music. i got uh, All Along the Watchtower. I've got Landslide. I've got... Um, what else do I have? Imagine a couple of Beatles songs are going to be in there. Anyway, there's 10 of them. I play through the arrangement and then I talk about conceptually what I did and technique wise what I did to kind of spice it up, make it different, make it unique. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, you can find that. Look at look at Vicky Genfan miniseries on YouTube and you'll see you'll see that I've got six six episodes out now. And then finally, every week we're doing what we call Front Porch Thursday. Every Thursday, 12 noon, that is Eastern time. So um, got to have coffee with us if you're in the, on the West Coast. Every week we do a show from our front porch. And um, my partner in crime, Tay Hoyle, is, is an amazing engineer. And she's really hooked us up so that we're, we're able to do some really fun stuff. We bring in guests. We have a special... Uh, Brooklyn Weather Station comes in and gives us some uh, weather and climate change info every week. I try to have different musical artists or just all different kinds of people coming in just to say hey. And I, I play some music and I also talk about some good news stories from the past week, which I think we, we all need to be reminded about these days. There are some amazing stories. There are some amazing peoples, peoples some amazing peoples happening Um at this point in our strange world. So, uh, yeah, check out the Guitar Cloud Symposium, my little mini-series on YouTube, and uh, come and visit us on the front porch, please. Um, it's, it's free, it's just fun, it's good stuff, and uh, we'd love to have you. My website is vickigenfan.com, facebook.com slash vickigenfan, Instagram, everything has got vickigenfan after it. Um, so you can find me pretty easily on social media. Please do find me, look for me. And, um, as far as parting words, I, I thank you so much. Thank you so much, Steve, for having me. Um, it's been really great to talk with you and, uh, appreciate your questions. 
And um, that's about it. I'm just, just glad to be able to share some of who I am and what I do with you folks. And um, feel free to get in touch. These days, it's more important than ever to, to stay in community, to reach out, uh, to talk to people, to uh, just connect. Yeah, to connect. So thanks for giving me the opportunity, Steve, to connect. Be well. Big thanks to Vicki for being on the show. It was such a pleasure to reconnect and share time with you. And thanks to all of you for tuning in and listening. I really hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for more great episodes of The Playful Musician. And go check out our website, theplayfulmusician.com. There you can find all the past episodes, some show notes, and links to other fun things. It's a work in progress for sure, but please check it out. Have a great week and we'll see you real soon.